What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And we are gathered here today, dearly beloveds, to discuss grades. Um, Specifically, things that should affect grades, but for some reason do not affect Mm -hmm. those grades. Um, And... I don't remember if this was your topic or this was my topic. You came up with one side, and I was like, "Oh, let's do the flip side too." I think you came up with the opposite side, and this was this yeah, was think, my response to it. I think that's the case. But it's you know this topic, no matter which way you look at it, is maybe going to be a hot button topic for all of time eternal. Mm-hmm. People are going to argue about grades, what the grade should be, why isn't this considered in the grade? forever yeah yeah what do you think it it, first off before we even get into this what do you think it is about grades that makes them so like divisive uh, ego i mean it's gotta be right like it's how we measure how good we are yeah it it because it is funny thinking about it in terms of if you compare it to other sports. And I think, you know, the fact that we don't have exact numbers and we don't have a method for exact numbers other than moonboard benchmarks, obviously, um, mm-hmm. we don't have really the a gospel way, the gospel. Yes. You know, I think if we compare to other sports, like if you look at weightlifting or running for an example, they're both in a lot of senses, just chasing numbers. Sure. Um, and like running, running very literally chasing numbers. Yes. Like, you know, it, if you look at lifting, I think this is a good example because like, let's say I am trying to squat, I don't know, whatever measly weight that I squat, not much. Um, if someone else comes up and gets in a squat rack right next to me and they use my weight as their second warm up, I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to look right. over. I'm going to be like, yep, that checks out. Like <laughs> you're <laughs> just those thighs. Yeah. You're just a bigger, stronger human. Like, <laughs> and if anything, man, this actually happened to me the other day. I was like going through, I think I was doing like uh, forearm finger curls or something like that. Thank God I wasn't squatting. This dude <laughs> walks up next to me and just like clearly fresh out of the car, like slam some pre-workout, does a few like leg kicks, puts 135 on the bar. 10 quick, like piston like squats, no rest throws another 45 on each side. So he's at 225, 10 more. Maybe there has been 30 seconds of rest throws on <laughs> another 245s, And now he's at 315, another quick 10. And now he goes over, drinks a little more pre-workout. He's actually starting to stretch out. That was his warm up, And it took him maybe four minutes for yeah. him to do things that I was like, Oh, that'd be a cool lifetime achievement for me. Um, yeah, that was his hike to the crag. <laughs> very much so. 
But seeing mm. that, I was just like, man, this is cool. Because he was like, um, height wise, no different than me. Um, mm. Like breadth, this was a this was a sturdy human, and it, it was cool. <laughs> I was just like, dude, this dude is fucking strong. Um, but that equivalent in climbing can be very d- divisive. Because if you're like, well, totally. I've been climbing for a long time. I'm over here projecting, let's say V8, and if someone comes up and just warms up on it as their like third warm up. People have very differing responses. Oh yeah, like they can be from they can be like, oh wow, this person is clearly very good. Like that was cool to watch. Or they can be like, oh, can't they find something else? Like, do they need to come over to my project and do that? Like, they're just showing off. And I, you know, I've been on both sides of this, and I can definitely say, reflecting back on times when I would get grumpy with people like warming up on my project. A lot of that was ego, like fully. Totally. Like this, is, we should actually just do a whole episode on warming up on someone's project. Like the how to. <laughs> here's <laughs> how to burn off everyone on this boulder. Um, yeah, like the the pros and cons of it. The when do you do it? When don't you? Um, how do you take it when someone does it? That could be an interesting episode. It's a question I've gotten quite a few times. Like people who are warming up and they see someone projecting something and they're like, Oh no, I can't do my warm up now because it's going to hurt this person's feelings. Oh man. Yeah. I, I still have mixed feelings on this. Cause sometimes it's like, me Hey, too. Hey, this is just, it's a, it's a good one. Like this is good for me. And I'll even tell people sometimes like, like at the mother load, I used to warm up on snooker, which is like classic 13 a, it yeah. was like my second warm up of the day. And I would tell people, I'd be like, I have done this probably closing in on a triple digit number of times. I circuit it like if I like w- after I do it, it's like if it looked easy, it's like it's just because I like I used to project this. This was hard work for me to start. Also, yeah. don't copy my beta. I skip half the holds to make it harder. Um, <laughs> you should just like carry a business card with you. And as you get on, just pass it out to the people at the base so that you yeah. don't have to explain yourself every time. And apologize. Exactly. You know, and I, I'd like brush the crux holds on my way down too, to be like, okay, you know, I, like, I get it. I'm not trying to like grease up your holds or whatever, but man, it was easy for me. I got to say guys, this thing gets easier year, year after year. Am I right? <laughs> it's like 12A now. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, it, it has to come down to ego, you know, but, but really whatever it is, it's a thing we're going to argue about forever. Yeah. And I think there are a bunch of factors that affect that should affect the grade you know we should be discussing do we change this grade based on these things but for some reason we just don't we just leave them as if they are written in stone forever um, and that makes no sense to me and we've split these up into two categories uh, environmental factors like the things that have to do with the the uh, physical natural environment and then user factors that are the ways we engage with grades and with climbing these things that should be altering the grades. So let's, let's start environmental factors. Um, and I think the number one reason, soar, especially with the soaring popularity of climbing, has to be polished holds on almost any type of rock at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
it used to just be we thought of granite and limestone, but I've definitely encountered some very polished sandstone, whether that's from use of poff or overbrushing, over chalking. I don't know, but it's polishing for sure. Yes. And yeah. things get way harder when they're really polished. Yeah. It and it's one of those things I didn't really recognize that well until having climbed for a long time. And now going back to older climbs that I did early on, it's just <clears throat> it's wild. Like there are some betas I simply can't do anymore because yeah. oh, like that foothold is so polished that I'm now stepping on a foothold right next to it. That might be worse, but it actually has friction. Yeah, uh, there are even boulders in my gym that we we were all able to do initially, but they've gotten so polished. I've even gone so far as going in with a bucket and a brush and cleaning <laughs> the holds. Didn't matter. The holds are now polished, and those boulders have become significantly harder. Um, it absolutely happens outdoors, too. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Oh my gosh. The awk block. In the the block. That's one of them. I yeah. haven't been able to repeat it. I've never been able to do it. I didn't get it while it was still like fresh. And also like, <laughs> that's a hard style for me. Every time I come back, I'm like, these are getting a little more polished and they were already bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, outdoors, like things just continue to polish and polish. And I'll even add in like slight bits of erosion like mm -hmm. sharp edges on holds kind of dull over time and which is more comfortable, but may not bite back. Exactly. Like I remember, like I remember going to problems that were much harder for me at the time. Like early on, I used to climb with a lot of like really strong climbers and I would feel holds and I'd be like, Oh wow, these are actually like kind of decent. And now like 10 years later that I'm strong enough to climb on these things, I'll go and I'm like, the hold is still objectively as large, but like maybe those boulders were brand new and fresh at the time and the grit is completely gone. Like, and you can even see it in beta videos because you can watch the way some people could do things early on versus how they have to do them now. And it's like, oh, you can't skip holds as easily, or you have to match this hold and being able to, instead of being able to pull through just because that extra bit of friction has kind of gone away. Yeah. And if you're a climber, like, especially if you're a climber from a like coarse sandstone area, like the red, um, and you've learned to hang on your skin and then you go to rifle where you can't ever hang on your skin. Yeah. Uh, it can, it can have a radical effect on your ego, the way you're climbing, your fear levels when you're climbing, like it, it changes so much. And I think that's a cool thing. I like leaning into that discomfort, mm -hmm. but you have to wonder like, what did this feel like when it first went up? Because I can see on this new route over here that there's a lot more texture and it's not polished to a fine mirror finish, uh, like this thing is. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, rifle's a good example. I remember the first time I went there, um, my buddy Matt Hughes was like, hey, if you can climb, like everything below 12C is going to be wildly polished. That's just simply yeah. how it's going to be. Once you get into the 12 plus and higher range, honestly, the harder it gets, the stickier the rock is going to feel. He's like, so mm -hmm. don't stress out. He's like, if anything, look at the, you know, 11s as that's a great way to get used to that slipperiness. And if you can get comfortable on those, 
man, 513 is going to feel grippy. And yeah. he was right. I mean, like, God, those 511s on the project wall, like Rehabilitator and those things, so heinous. Yeah, totally. That's a good point, too. The Don't let the lower grades factor into your, like, complete disdain for an area because they're going to be the most polished that are in the boulder field or in, you know, at the crag. Mm -hmm. Everyone is climbing them. You know, there's a line on them every morning to warm up for people's projects. So they're going to be very hateful. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing with popular boulders or even popular sectors. Like in Yosemite, I remember the first time I went, I was climbing around camp four and everyone had always told me, that Yosemite was very polished climbing and the granite mm-hmm. can just lend itself to be a little more slippery at times. And I was, so I was like, okay, yeah, it's definitely polished. But then after my first day, which was bouldering camp four, I was talking with someone there like, Oh, go to the other areas. They won't be nearly as polished because camp four is where, you know, that's where everyone camped. So everyone would go out and boulder there. And right. It was just incredible. Everybody and their popular. mom tries the first two moves of midnight lightning with their gym shoes on. Exactly. So you can like see yourself, you can see your own reflection in that start foot of midnight lightning, mm-hmm. but then you go to the other areas, especially like, I mean, and there's still great boulders, but immediately like the texture gets better. It's a lot more sticky, but those climbs in camp four, it's not like they're getting upgraded because there's no longer friction on them. Right. And that's a funny thing, you know, it, around here when we find really good granite, it looks like it's already been polished. Like it looks like a countertop, you know, this like sandblasted wind varnish that's created. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are objectively harder than if there was texture on the holds. Oh, so yeah. you factor that into the grade, you know, this hold is hard to continue gripping. <laughs> Therefore, this boulder is this grade. But then if you go back to a boulder that once had texture and now it's polished in that same way, you're just like, oh no, still V5. Yeah. Gotta still be V5. That's what it was originally. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, I think a unique example of this too is um, like the Sleepwalker boulder in mm. Las Vegas. You know, you talk with anyone who's <clears throat> climbed on it and a lot of people who looked at it initially the holds are objectively like large, you know, by whatever V16, V17 standard. And if it was like really tacky Southern sandstone, like Rocktown, uh, yeah, that type of like the orb sort of friction, mm-hmm. it would be, those would be amazing. Like V10, V11s, right. but they're not, they're just super slippery. Um, and so therefore it is very hard. Um, but if you take these other like really classic boulders that, when they do get polished, it's not like, yeah, we just don't notch them up over time because also it's so incremental, you know, you try it and you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this is definitely harder. Um, but how much harder is it? Did it go from V10 to V11? And, you know, all God forbid you actually say that out loud and some old crusty is there to be like, <laughs> no, I'll try it. Well, back in my day, it was just as slippery. Like I've had people tell me that like full service was just as slippery you know, back in like the nineties as it is now. Sake. Come on. And I'm like, okay, I, I respect that you've been climbing that long. I do not believe you. <laughs> no, like, absolutely not. Everything else here in Waco is getting more polished with time. 
I refuse to believe that the most popular V10 in all of Waco somehow has withstood getting any more slippery. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, beyond just the holds on a root or a boulder, I think we have to talk about the ground also. Like if the ground is getting oh, yeah. eroded away, especially sit starts ch- can change pretty dramatically. Um, I've even encountered a situation where um, there was an 11D or 12A scary trad route, R-rated trad route in the red that I had tried when I was a traddy, but it was just too scary for me. Um, <clears throat> and at that time, you could stand on the ground, grab the first hold, this big crescent shelf, and mm-hmm. your first move was just mantling onto the shelf. Maybe you had to do like a little hop off the ground to get this hold. Yeah. Well, I went back as a sport climber when I was already climbing mid 513 and went back to do this thing. And it required that I stand back from the crag as far as I could, take a running start, kick off the wall, and I could just tag this hold with one hand as I was like floating away from the wall. Um, Funny. It felt... I don't know, V7 to start. Um, yeah. It took me a lot of tries kicking off the wall and trying to grab this hold, you know? And kind of scary because there's roots sticking out of the ground everywhere. And I'm like, I'm going to twist an ankle one of these goes, you know? Yeah. Um, but but it's still 11D, 12A. Like, there's no, there's no change in the grade, even though the erosion of the ground, which eroded over 12 inches, uh, on a route that's not popular, but because all the routes near it are popular and people are walking back and forth under it, it gets devastated. And now the start is drastically different, but the guidebook will never reflect that. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, Super Slap at Military. Um, right. This is right next to Super Slap. Okay. I was literally wondering. just to the left. Okay. I remember talking with Porter, who bolted super slab and he was like oh when when i first put it up like he could just pretty much reach up and like do a little hop and grab the start jug of super yeah. slab where now i will confirm it that it was that way when i was first trying this other thing i, I tried the beginning of super slab at the same time funny like mid 90s now like you pull on on two crimps and do a hard like drive by dyno <laughs> yeah, it's like it now, you know, this is a 12C slab, but it now opens with like, I don't know, V5, V6 boulder that was yeah. not factored in. And it's legitimately challenging. Totally. But totally. I think that's a, that's a real thing that happens and we just don't recognize it. I have a question. Do you know of any instance when someone has put more dirt at the base of a boulder to avoid the like, super hard sit start where people want to stack pads to make it easier. Has anyone just dumped dirt there and been like, it's natural. And oh, dude, I bet. I mean, I don't know if you're going to hear about it. Um, I mean, I know in Colorado they'll, you know, shuffle rocks, big rocks around cause it's always in talus fields to like really get it prepared. But I would love to know if anyone's out there, like, you know, bringing a, a shovel out in the off season, really pre- prepping landings. Yeah. I mean like, uh, take, I think it's Celestial Mechanics at mm-hmm. Stonefort. Yeah. The start of that's significantly easier if you stack a few pads. And it's a stand start. It's not a sit. But mm-hmm. um, 
significantly easier if you stack a few pads. If I just dumped a mound of dirt there, that, you know, that's natural, right? Yeah. So that one's interesting. This was the first one I thought of when you brought up erosion. When I first moved to the south, I could grab both starting holds flat mm -hmm. on the ground without a crash pad. Now I have yeah. to stack two just to reach the left one, you know, and it's wildly popular. There's another, that whole corridor is super popular. People walk through, they drag pads, you know, they move the dirt around a lot, but I mean, it's probably lost like a foot of dirt, like, which makes yeah. the low start much nicer. Now you can start, you know, matched on an undercling and that is like at a proper stand start height, but that right. boulder keeps getting, or taller essentially because the ground keeps getting lower yeah eventually there'll be a whole new start below the undercling oh that'd be great a few Just few thousand years yeah climbers of the future <clears throat> yeah and you know that sort of brings up the the ethic in old trad climbs from eons ago used to be like if there's a hard, really hard to move boulder off the ground we just don't count that like you're not even on the route yet you're just that's the approach or something um so i've done a lot of old trad routes where there's a boulder problem at the bottom that just doesn't get factored in it's like mm -hmm. this is a five nine hand crack but you're doing a v5 to get to the hand crack funny <clears throat> that uh kind of leads me into my next one which is uh boulder problems that are before no hands rests mm, that's an interesting idea yeah like that one's really strange to me and it kind of affects the grade sometimes, but not that strongly because people are, and people always have the same argument, which cracks me up. They're always like, well, you know, you could, you could sit in that no hands rest as long as you want. Like you, you could eat a sandwich there up there. You could go off belay. You could do whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but collective <clears throat> fatigue is a thing. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's fine. Like you could, cause you'll fully recover. I'm like, okay, cool. Let, let's just, let's take this to its extreme. Would you like, what is your warm up for the day? They're like, oh, I do like a 5.11, a 5.12, and then I start trying my 5.13s. I'm like, well, why don't you try a different 5.13 first? They're like, well, I don't want to get tired for my project. It's like, well, but <laughs> you can sit on the ground. You can eat a sandwich. Like, why? What difference is it? Anytime you sit down and eat a sandwich, apparently, you know, and you're off belay, you can fully recover. Like, yeah. what, what difference is that? They're like, well, that's different. It's like, I don't know that it really is. I think it's literally the exact same thing. Um, but yeah, hard boulder problem to like a sit down rest. Oh man. I always get like upset when those happen. Cause I'm like, this isn't, this isn't counting for anything. Like it's, I still, I still have to do essentially the exact same difficulty of route above this. Um, mm -hmm. you, you know, you get like a tiny little fraction of a point. Yeah. Also like new excavated rests that show up. You know, this is a real thing in the red. Like, Oh Yeah. Somebody does a first ascent, a few people quickly follow, and then somebody goes up there and starts excavating the no hands rest that's six feet off to the right. Oh, six and, feet if you're lucky. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there's this new lay down rest where people are taking naps, but the grade never changes. It's still the same grade as it was put up. Yeah. Yeah, that's very much a thing. There are quite a few routes in the red where, I mean, some of them it's like, oh, you're going to be traversing 10 feet off route to go get into that double knee bar over there. And yeah, you know, it, it somehow the grade's the exact same. I don't know. Yeah. But I've got one that sort of blends us into user factors. It's like 
part environmental factor, part user factor. Um, and that's cheater stacks. Ooh. I think there are some, you know, sometimes a cheater stack is absolutely necessary for anybody of any height. And you put the thing there and, and that's where it lives. But then there are times where a person just has deemed themselves too short because they can't do the opening moves and build a cheater stack. And then someone taller comes up and can skip the boulder. And this has happened a lot of times. Um, I had an instance once in the red on a 12C called Belly of the Beast. Oh, yeah. Where I wanted to try and onsite it. So we hike out there. We get there and there's this massive cheater stack under it. And I'm like, what is this for? It looks like you could start in the roof under there. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just going to disassemble this cheater stack because it seems pointless. <laughs> so I disassemble it. I do the route on site. And then the people who had been sitting there all along, not saying a word, reassembled the cheater stack to get on and skip the entire opening roof boulder problem. Funny. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, wow. Uh, I, I sort of wish they would have said something. I'm sort of glad they didn't. Yeah. Huh. It, yeah, in the red, I think Zookeeper's maybe one of the best examples of a this. Super it, obvious example, yeah. It's so unfortunate because if this route just started off the ground, like if if you could just put a jug right at head height and have zero stat like boulders, yeah. like cheater stacks essentially, man, top five routes in the country for me. Like, yeah. I also don't mind if a route is only 45 feet tall, but it would be so good. Um, yeah, if but, you had to pull on, do two moves, and then climb the boulder problem, and no one could skip those moves, it would be amazing. Incredible. Um, but what ended up happening was it got, the first ascent was from someone who used, I think, two big cheater stacks. I think he's like 5'10", and he did a yeah. really hard opening move. Yeah. And he called it 14B, and that even seemed like potentially a sandbag for how he did it. Mm-hmm. And then Jimmy Webb came along, who is just over six feet tall, long arms, and from those exact same stones could pull on higher and basically pull on from decent holds. Yeah, skipping um, the first move, the first really hard move. Yes, and pulled on from there, and he was like, man, he's like, it's unfortunate, but just because of my height, like I can like this, he's like, it just makes sense for me to pull on from here. And I think it seems un- like it's unfair for shorter people to not also pull on how I do. And so then it got dropped to like 14A. And then some very short climbers came along, a few youth climbers, and they stacked it up high enough to where they could do Jimmy's method. Right. And then taller people came along and were like, oh, I can keep reaching. And from where you pull on, I mean, it can, and this is so silly and unfortunate, like there, if I pull on from where some tall people pull on from, it truly is probably a 13 C route. Like I've done it from like, I would project the route and at the end of the day, I would run two laps on it from there, which is also silly. Cause it's like, I only had two moves, but for some reason they were hard for me. Um, but yeah, like maybe 13 C from there, but you know, I also get it because it's a stack. And if you're tall enough, like, why not just start from there? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so unfortunate. And it's just one of those things of like, I still view it as one of the best and coolest routes I've done. But man, it has such a big asterisk next to it. Like, because if someone else was, came along, and for me, it's one of the hardest things I've done. But if someone else totally. was like, yeah, no, it's probably like 13C, I'd be like, no, I totally get it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a video of Carlo flashing it during the 
the during a Rocktoberfest, I think, mm-hmm. and and he skips the first like three moves, which are very hard moves because by that time the cheater stack had gotten to like three or four feet tall. Like you have to, you know, it's like a V two to get to the top of the cheater stack. Oh yeah, I would not go up that thing if I wasn't on belay. <laughs> totally, <laughs> and. And you know, no, no shade to Carlo at all. He's certainly capable of flashing it from wherever. Oh yeah. Um, but because of that cheater stack, he can just walk up and skip those first several moves. Mm-hmm. And not only, you know, not only does that like, can it be used as a, oh, I'm going to add another cheater stone and then I get to skip another move, but it also can take away from someone's accomplishment when it's a legitimate accomplishment you know had carlo known maybe he would have started lower um maybe not i can't say but it's certainly possible yeah yeah it it it, you know it kind of comes down to what we were talking about earlier with grades and ego it's like you know can you separate your own mm, methods and your own experience from others like can you say well i did it from here and for me that was the challenge i wanted and yes, I can see other people are starting higher and that's cool. They, if they get to have a good experience, you know, and that's what they want. Awesome. Also, I think like, man, after the boulder problem, it's like maybe 13 BC climbing. Oh, amazing. I wit like, I wish yeah, you could somehow totally. climb jugs and just trap into there. Incredible. Um, but yeah, so that's like cheater stacks are a really funny thing. Same thing, stacking crash pads, um, mm-hmm especially for undercling starts things mm-hmm. get a little squirrely there like the difference between starting on one pad and two pads for an undercling start man that can be a whole v grade right there yeah absolutely um and there are many many comment threads on the internet arguing about it yeah well, i will say this while we're on the uh, illegitimate starts um questionable starts yeah, there is <laughs> exactly there is one that bothers me and maybe it probably shouldn't but i don't have many hard and fast rules in climbing this is just my own and if y'all hear me say this and you're like no that i just don't resonate with that that's totally fine you do you but if you have to grab a hold let's say so you have start hold of a boulder problem if you have to grab a hold further in to be able to put your foot out on a foothold so let's say you grab the second hold so that you can walk your feet up maybe even walk your feet onto a pad stack to set a heel hook or a toe hook really high up and far away and And then then you you have the hand back down touch the start and go yes (laughs) yeah i have strong feelings man look because we can we can ruin a lot of boulders like that like oh i want to do jade let me go like just bat hang from the jug up top like touch the start holds. I think it's too far. I could maybe do the green 45 stand that way, but do I get V10 <laughs> points? Yeah. Like, no. And this is, I get it. Everyone gets their own method. I don't know why this one riles me up more than anything, <laughs> but it like, if the first ascensionist does it that way. And once again, I don't even believe in like following the first ascensionist methods, but it just feels a little weird. And it's one of those things of like, you can, chase some hard boulders this way to where you like totally oh like i've even seen people will get someone else to like push on their hips they will hold the start hold someone else will push on their hips to get let them get a heel toe cam like six feet away 
Oh yeah, I've seen this. And then the other person lets go, they pull on, and then they just paddle off the heel toe cam through the whole boulder. And here's the thing, like you might say, well, this six foot four person can reach that heel toe cam from the ground. That is true. Are you six foot four? You're not? Well, I'm sorry. That ain't, this just, this one isn't for you. You don't get to use that beta. Like I would love to skip holes the way like Taylor McNeil does, but I'm not also, I'm just not as good of a rock climber. Let's be real. Um, like he, he does things for a lot more reasons than his height than me. Um, absolutely. But yeah, that one for me is like, uh, once again, if that's how you like to boulder, go do it. Do not let (laughs) the way I say things or feel discourage you. But man, I wish everybody listening could see the like controlled, quiet fury that's happening on your face right now. I don't know why (laughs) this one just, it gets me like in the absolute worst. And I've had this happen twice before where I'll be trying a boulder and I'm trying it what I consider the legitimate way. And someone will walk up and be like, oh, well, if you actually grab the second hold, you can throw a toe hook way up above your head on that jug out there. And then you can paddle back to the start to do this boulder. And I just have to be like, thanks. And then they have to watch me. They're now going to watch me completely not even try it because I'm not going to. And God forbid they ask. They're like, oh, do you not want to try that beta? Why not? Because I don't. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's tangent. definitely a, that's definitely a real thing. And if you're if you're good at that technique, you can absolutely start looking around for those types of boulders that fit that technique. And you can you can artificially pad your scorecard that way um, pretty easily. Oh, yeah. And and that rolls me right into <laughs> another way that people chase the big grades, you mm-hmm. know, especially in. Waco and on steep Western limestone. Uh, and that's the knee pads. Like I am all for 100% in line with climbing with knee pads. You should absolutely do it. If it makes it a better experience, it's how you want to climb it, climb it with a knee pad, but be fucking honest about what the grade then becomes. That my first season in Waco, when I was like, I want to find a V12 to project, I bet I had 25 people come to me and say, you know what you should do? You should go do this boulder because now there's a knee bar that makes it way easier. Yeah. And I'm like, do you hear yourself? You're saying <laughs> it makes it way easier. That means the grade is no longer what the grade was. That by definition, that's what it means. And they just couldn't accept it. And and a lot of people will go out chasing those boulders or chasing those routes where they know there are knee bars to be had, but we can still take that guidebook grade even though we use this knee bar. Yes. And don't get me wrong. Or these seven knee bars. Yeah, more likely. Um, And if it's a competition, like if you're in the rock rodeo, man, break those boulders. Like For sure. There's a classic thing in the South for the Triple Crown there is some triple crown beta for boulders that, you know, you look left and right to make sure it's only you and the person <laughs> signing your scorecard who's around when you're going to go do this V9. Yeah, um, right there in the front. I can't remember the name of it. I mean, there's a couple different ones that you can like totally ruin with beta that you keep between just you and your closest friends. Um, yeah. Like this, this does not hit the internet and you're never going to see a video of some of these betas for making... <laughs> 
some of these hard boulders much better, much easier, better, easier. Um, but it's a competition and like, that's completely different. Um, you know, maybe you just don't log it on your scorecard. If you log it on your scorecard, you know, we got to keep them points. But yeah, like if you're looking for a challenge, it's, it's this weird, I don't know, cognitive dissonance of you can be like, oh, I really want to climb this, like something powerful that's hard for me. Cause that would be a cool style. And like, it'd be a really good representation of has my training, has my, uh, have my abilities advanced Exactly. And people will be like, oh, here's this really steep, powerful thing where you can knee bar and it's the grade you want and you can knee bar through the power moves. It's like, wait, that, that achieves literally nothing of what I wanted. I skipped the power moves and it's not the difficulty that I'm trying to test myself on. Now, is it still fun that way? Cool. Like there are a lot of really fun, cool, unique knee bar problems where I'm like, this is rad. Like these are totally, this is really unique. I love the way I get to climb on this. It's cool. Um, but that, you know, there's a difference between knee bar crawling and saying, I'm going to do a jumpy power problem. Yeah. And I just don't, you know, maybe as guidebooks catch up to this, the the grades will start to even out, but it really depends on who's writing the guidebook. You know, some people just have this weird reverence for history and they won't change the grades. And, you know, if, if there's a video out that's like, here's how to break the grades with knee bars in Waco. And you go chasing those things and keep the same grade. You, you are part of the problem. Yeah. You know, that that's just a, a silly way to approach it. In my opinion. <laughs> I, I can't even be like, if you want to do that, cool. No, it's just not cool. It, <laughs> I just don't, I just can't. Um, <clears throat> I will Interestingly, say one of the first scenarios of like knee pads and knee bar technology coming into play was in Rifle uh, with Kurt Smith's Slice of Life, oh, which yeah. he put up as the first 14A in the canyon. And, and then people came along and as knee barring became more popular, they started finding a bunch of knee bars uh, on the route and downgraded it to 13d and you know as a result kurt doesn't you know is has a extreme hatred of knee pads yeah barring but the reality is it did change the grade to be able to do it with all these knee bars um so you no longer get the 14a that you wish you had um I think we still should credit Kurt for first 14 in the Canyon because he climbed it this way before this new technology was around. He gets that grade. He gets that, you know, achievement, but Mm -hmm. subsequently it's become a 13 D. However, nowadays, for some reason, we just don't change it. We just leave it the way it was. Yeah. It, you know, and I, I will look at this from the opposite side of just a tiny bit. Um, at higher levels, like knee barring is a skill. Um, Absolutely. No question. Like I think some people who don't have any experience knee barring will paint a bit with a broad brush and they're like, Oh, well, if you use a knee bar, it completely changes everything and it has to be a downgrade. Here's the thing though. Some people are actually really good and talented at knee barring. Um, like I was climbing with Dan Mursky in Waco and he did 
Momojo, um, V11, using some crazy knee bars. Like mm-hmm. he had to invert all these wild things. And he did it that way. And I mean, he had also climbed a bunch of other V11s that trip too. This was just one of them. Right. Like, I am decent at knee bars. I feel comfortable saying that. I tried his method, like, because I had a different method that I'd always used. And I was like, oh, like I had done the stand. I was like, maybe I'll check out the sit using his method. Tried it for a half hour. Could not do the moves in isolation. And I tried it with someone else who also knee bars a lot. And neither of us could do it in isolation. Shindex is not a thing. Um, if you're like 4'11 or if you're six foot five, yes, Shindex exists. But the difference between someone who's like, you know, honestly, like 5'7 and six foot, not that big of a deal. Our ankles can flex and dorsiflex. Like, if this wasn't a shin size issue, this was a skill deficit on totally. our part. Like, Mursky's just a wizard. And it would be unfair to be like, well, this one guy knee barred through it. And so that beta exists. So we need to call it easier. Cause frankly, like, I don't know. I've never seen any, anyone else do it since. And I've seen people try. Yeah. I, I had a really good taste of that once, uh, climbing with Viet and Natalie Hawley up. Um, what's the, I think it's a V5. It's sort of faces Alf up in the spur. Walrus. Walrus. In a, walrus in a blender. Yeah. And it's got like a kind of a weird, funky jump move on it. Yeah. Um, and I did it that way. And then Viet pulls out a knee pad and does it with this knee bar. And Natalie's trying the knee bar and can't get it to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're roughly around the same size-ish. Um, so I was like, oh, let me try this knee bar. And it felt V10 to me. Like, the, yeah, doing it with the knee bar made absolutely no fucking sense. I could get the knee bar just like Viet, even though he's uh, smaller than me. His shindex is smaller. But I couldn't do the move that way. Yeah. So not you're right. Not all knee bars are created equal. And sometimes the knee bar doesn't necessarily change the grade. Um, but a lot of times it also does. And that's why we have to be honest. Yeah, it absolutely can. And I'm not saying it doesn't mostly, I think there is some argument of, and I see this a lot in sport climbing where people would be like, oh, well this person, I see a photo of them wearing a knee pad. Clearly they are not allowed to take the same grade as anyone else because they just happen to have a knee pad. They don't know how good these knee bars are, were they just knee scums like that? Let them you know, like clip a bolt slightly easier, whatever. Um, like you don't know that person's experience. So I think it's not fair to immediately be like, this has to be easier. But if all of a sudden, like, I mean, if you can go up and be like, oh, this was V13, but now I can crawl through on knee bars and it feels like V8 and everyone else says the same thing. Like we have yeah. a lot of data points here. It's like, yeah, we probably shouldn't call it V13 anymore. Yeah, you know, to to sort of back up a little bit and add another layer to your point, you know, if I go to rifle and I watch a rifle local knee crawl their way up a thing where they're getting knee bars every other move, mm-hmm. and then I watch another rifle local who may not be as as like skilled at knee barring only get half of those knee bars, um that's not unlike somebody who climbs 
you know, full crimping versus open-handed. It's like, I'm going to do this move with an open hand, three finger. You're going to do this move full crimp. You're going to swear the full crimp way is easier. Totally. And I'm going to swear it's harder, <laughs> you know? Um, really skilled knee barring is a similar type of skill where we're going to constantly just find our best way that may not be the easiest way for other people. Absolutely. Um, I like climbing fast. Like that is a style that fits me and probably just like my metabolic systems, my endurance style really well. I can't knee bar the way people do in rifle. Like people will be like, Oh, did this with 28 knee bars. And it's also this weird race to the bottom or someone else or it's two. It's either like, I did it with 32 knee bars. Oh, I did 34. <laughs> and then other people are like, well, I only did 17 knee bars. Like for me, I like to set a knee bar. You have to get into its own unique position. You have to go, you have to place it. And then you have to like move off it. Then you have to take your time to remove it in a specific way. It takes a long time. Like it takes, honestly, it takes a lot of endurance. Um, but it's a different type. Like you can kind of sit on your core and your legs a little bit Mm -hmm. more where for me, man, if I can just like pull through on my arms and my hands, I mean, and my feet, frankly, because I'm still using them. But if I can shave half the time off for me to do a route, like I would rather just plug the knee bars where it's like, oh, this is a good one. I can shake both hands, clip a bolt. Cool. Let's keep going. Like all the little finicky knee scums that everyone does for me feel way less efficient. Yeah. Totally. You just said a phrase that was in your notes for this section, but on a different uh, bullet point. And I really liked the phrase and that's, it's a race to the bottom. (laughs) And, and your bullet point for another user factor that should affect grade, but doesn't really is this weird consensus. Yeah. And maybe, maybe this should actually be in shouldn't affect grade, but does. Um, yeah, does it fit better there? So I'm, I'm torn on this because I do yeah, think. I think it can go both ways. Yes. Like, I don't think we really listen to consensus that much. Well, I don't think consensus is actually a thing. Okay. Uh, and we, I, we love I, to hold it up as like the gold standard. Yeah. But it doesn't work unless everyone is giving their own personal grade without bias from the other grades. And I can't point to a single scenario where that happens. And bias from other people. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you, uh, there's been a lot of times where, man, especially, like, someone will be like, oh, man, I just climbed my first, whatever, let's say V8. And it was so cool. And I, like, I found my own beta and I'm really happy with the whole process. I'm like, that's rad. Cool. And they're like, cool, cool. Come over. I'd love to show you how I do it. And then I see, and I'm like, oh no, they found a better method than everyone else on this. Like no one has, I don't know anyone who's seen that heel toe cam. And then you do it and you're like, oh, well, congratulations. Like, I can't say this out loud, but like you found amazing beta. This thing is nowhere near V8 anymore. You were just more clever than all the rest of us were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, but I'm not going to be like, oh, it's probably like hard V6 now. I'm just going to be like, yep, V8, because I like this person and their experience to me is more important than what I call this boulder problem. Yeah. And it's not really a, you know, it, it doesn't help the situation to be like, wow, your problem solving skills are fucking top notch, but this isn't V8 anymore yeah, now. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and it, I don't know. It, it's unfortunate. Like, yeah, we can't have like this anonymous consensus. Also, people are, the idea of consensus, I think, is also lost on people in the sense that um, my favorite thing on Red River Climbing, back when it still existed as a website, mm-hmm. people would, let's say if a route was 12D and like five stars, because also everything was five stars. If someone was like, well, this is really a four-star 12C, they would log it as like a two-star 12B because they want it, they were like, well, I'm trying to they bring... They want to even out the consensus. They were like, I'm trying to bring the whole average down. And it's like, yeah. well, no, so you say you want your points to, your vote to count as more? They're like, well, it's just wrong. It's like, well, that's not how consensus works. Like, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think consensus is funny and flawed for a lot of reasons. But also like, it is, when I say it was a race to the bottom, it means... If one person says that this V10 is actually V9, it doesn't matter if we have 99 other people that say, no, it's probably V10. This one brave and humble individual <laughs> brave and humble. is the one who is shining the light on the true grade. Fuck consensus. No, we have, we have the truth now. And it is whoever says it the lowest with the straightest face. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah so it's, <laughs> you know... The only consensus that really matters is the consensus in my head. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've got one left on here. Um, this, I think, was one of your bullet points. What do you have left? Uh, I think just one as well. Yeah. All right. Let, let's do it. What's that one? Height. Yeah. Height and wingspan. I think this is sort of the big one that that gets grappled with on a daily basis. And because of the way we grade things, we, you know, we have to give it a grade. So we can't give it a grade for every person. You know, it can't be like if you're, if you're four foot nine with a a negative two, this is your grade. If you're five foot with a plus three, this is your grade. If you're, you know, we can't do that. It's never going to happen. So we give it a grade and then people come in who don't fit the average, whatever that is. And mm-hmm. honestly, they should get a different grade. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Like this is something, uh, Johnny, Johnny lightning. Uh, yeah, totally. Guest on the podcast with the drew Mac episode. Um, man who said he <clears throat> eat his own crock. If drew Mac did, which climb, he never did, by the way, which he never did, by the way, uh, it's still marinating. He's he's got the pandemic asterisks there. Oh, like, that we is We hit true. a pandemic right at the time, and he's like, "Well, Drew could have done it if there hadn't been a pandemic." Yeah. Um, well, I think Johnny's what like six four with a plus four or more. He's lengthly. Yeah, enormous, and he refers to things. He gives things a uh, lightning bolt ratings. Lightning bolts. Yeah. He's like he's like this is my own system. Like, you know, I think this is you know this v8 might be eight lightning bolts because that's what it feels like to me but also he's also really good at jumping especially for a very wiry person like yeah. he went he went to south africa and cleaned up like he did some like <laughs> yeah. super hard like rarely repeated like v12 dinos and he's like uh nine lightning bolts or like yeah. seven lightning bolts he's like i'm just giant and good at jumping um but there are times where you know he, uh like c spot run is something that is still very challenging for him. Like, mm-hmm. 
And he's just like, yeah, you know, that thing I find really, really hard. Um, and he takes things kind of at his own, like he looks at them as these subjective difficulties, which is kind of what yeah. we should all do to some degree. But I don't know. It He knows he's weird. an extreme outlier. Yeah. Um, and he's also a good climber and mm-hmm. and maybe maybe like top 1% at chasing down the things he knows are going to fit him well. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish I was as good at that as he is. Yeah. Um, I'm not even close. Like I get too caught up in, oh, this is really fucking hard for me. I want to do this. Yeah. And I could, I could on paper be a much better rock climber <laughs> if I didn't do that. Totally. Um, so he's very good at that. And he's a good climber. So no, no shade thrown your way, Johnny, but not, not you, even, in you the already know you have your own system. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, for these extreme outliers, like it would be so awesome if we had these categories that everyone could be in. Um, and so that it could be more objective with grades. Unfortunately we don't. So it's like for shorter climbers, there are problems that will actually be easier for them. Like, yeah, not super common, but not as common as it's going to be harder because of span, but there are options. Um, and same thing, like with taller climbers, like a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, they don't even really climb. They just stand and reach. When I say a lot of people, I mean, that's what I say. Um, <laughs> but they're like, I coach enough really tall climbers who are in the mid six foot range. Man, there are things that are just real hard for them. Like yeah, that's totally just the case. Um, so, yeah, I think height absolutely should affect grades. Um it's a slippery slope though, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're a person who's on that, you know, in that outlier zone, whether you're shorter or taller or have a tiny wingspan or, you know, albatross arms, whichever, it's really easy to start pointing to that instead of, oh, I'm just really bad at slopers or I'm not mobile enough to get these, to get my feet up. You know, it's, it's, it's because I'm tall. It's not because I'm stiff as a board. Yes. Um, It becomes a really slippery slope when you start thinking everything is subjective. Let me give everything my own grades. It's really easy to overlook your holes. Yes. And I think that's where, that's why it's kind of hard to have an open and honest conversation about this. Yeah. Cause look, like if you're five feet tall, no one wants to hear you complain about how short you are. Like, cause complaining is also just not fun, but also we all see it. We all, we're all looking down at you. <laughs> we're all looking down at you. Like we know how small you are. Like in, if anything, like when I see someone short, like just owning massive moves, I'm like, that's so cool. Like I want to be able to climb the way they do. Um, and I think that way up more, much more often with really short climbers than with really tall climbers. Like when yeah. I see someone who's like five, one, just jumping, like, full wingspan between every move. I'm like, dude, if I could climb half as powerfully as them, man, that'd be cool. I want to be able to do that on my own scale. Like, but here's the thing, the people I see who can maximize their abilities, I'm just going to specifically say for short people, they're typically not the people that complain about being short. Like it's just a given. They know it. They know, like they might be like, man, that V5 was nails. It was just as hard as the V11 I did yesterday. And that's, mm-hmm. if anything, I'm like, hey, that's cool. I see that you put in like three sessions 
And that doesn't sound like complaining. That's just stating objective facts. Like I had to put in three sessions to do this stupid V5, but I did it because it was a challenge. I'm like, that's rad. Yeah. What's yeah, the what's the twelve A at Bob Marley dog dog leg dog leg Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Michaela and Cat both doing that. Uh, Super maybe impressive. the most impressive feats of rock climbing in history. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean that's that's like that's fifteen D level as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, massive moves. Super impressive. Um, I am, but they both take twelve A for it. Yes which is also <laughs> crazy to me. Um, I mean, like the day I did ultra perm, I warmed up, tried to do dog, like didn't do it. Um, and I am much taller than them. Um, like that's funny. You say that I was trying to use dog leg as a warm up for ultra perm several times and realized it was totally destroying my session. I would get to ultra perm and feel like this is the hardest route in the world. And then once I stopped doing dog leg as a warm up, I was like, oh, much more manageable now. Yeah. I have some power left. Yeah. I would. <laughs> so the exact same thing. I would try and warm up on it before ultra perm. And then the day I did it, I, I think I actually decided to skip it as my warm up that day. But then I sent ultra perm. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is the day I'm on fire. Walked over dog leg, put in like five tries, could not do it. <laughs> I still haven't done that route. Like it's easier to warm up on ultra perm than it is to warm up on dog leg. Yes. And for anyone who is aren't familiar, dog leg, 12 a ultra perm, 13 D like, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it like height should. Um, and I think it's good to look at people who recognize their height as like sometimes a weakness, you know, and you like accept it because no matter what your body size is, it's not going to fit every problem. And you can be the perfect, like yeah. normative standard of elite rock climbing, whatever that looks like or means. And you're still going to find things where you're like, wow, this is an uncomfortably high feet, high foot, or this move is much larger than I can physically span. That's just going to happen. Um, you know, accept it, see it as a challenge. And maybe you can personally be like, okay, this is just going to be harder for me. And that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. And just know that, Johnny Lightning is always going to be looking down on you with pity. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do the flip side of this, things that shouldn't affect grade but do. And I think this one, uh, while this was initially going to be a patron episode, I think this one's going out on the regular board meeting feed. And uh, the next, the flip side of this will be for the patrons. So if you are interested in becoming a patron, getting more conversations like this, we have at least two a month. Oftentimes there are three or four episodes that come up for the patrons every month. You can do that for $3 a month uh, at patreon.com slash power company podcast, or you can get those right in your Apple podcast app by subscribing to power company plus. So, um, Let's jump over into this next episode. And like my dude, Nolly Simon says, We don't tweet, we scream like eagles.
it's time to build.